millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. As I mentioned earlier, every Tuesday, we answer one of your curious, ponderous questions about why life is the way that it is. In a few weeks back, Fred texted us, how did the world agree on what the time was? And we thought, hmm, hmm, what is the history of time? And so we looked around for someone who would know, and we came across New Zealand's time lord. Adam Dunford is from the Measurement Standards Laboratory of New Zealand, and he joins us on the line now. Kia ora. Kia ora, Emil. Where does time, where does time, Lord, come from? Please, Adam. Um, it's a really interesting question. The short answer is it's an anglophone um, moniker. Um, in other countries, where uh, particularly the Asian countries that we associate with in our regional area, um, if I say or say that I'm the Time Lord or do Doctor Whoish type things, yeah. there there are blank stares. So it's very much. Um, a something that is a bit of an anglophone thing. So it comes from Doctor Who, obviously. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I like how you're saying when you do Doctor Who-like things, you get blank stares. Well, obviously, you shouldn't be dressing up in a Dalek costume uh, around people that you don't know, Adam. No, but a Dalek is, in fact, my um, my Zoom icon. So, you know. <laughs> of, of course it is. Of the anti-Doctor, I guess. <laughs> All right, Adam, let's get right down to it and go back to Fred's question. Because um, the more that I think about it, the more baffled I am by it. How did the world agree on a standard time? Um, by a curious mixture of what you might call universal science and human nature uh, is the kind of short answer. Um, right throughout history, people have tried to measure things um, as well as they can, uh, and they've got better at that generally over time. Um, and equally, as the world got more and more connected, they've tried to standardise things. And that usually ended up being a sort of a committee thing, <laughs> as it often is. Um, and so beginning in around about the 1800s-ish, as uh, industrialization kind of got underway, it became clear that time and a whole bunch of other things equally needed to be standardized a bit more to keep the world kind of functioning. Uh, and so essentially, uh, the people of the day got together and sort of tried to thrash out how might this work. And the the sort of the one of the um, starting points, if you like, is um, the 1884 Meridian Conference where the world first had to thrash out what the prime meridian would be. And as soon as you even say it, you can imagine all the geopolitics and discussions that go around it. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, it's, it's, it's exactly, the answer is exactly how did the world decide? Well, it was 
the humans of the world deciding it wasn't sort of like a blinding flash oh science tells us we have to do it this way um the science aspect of time is much more about how can we measure it as accurately and reliably and stably as we can and of course in the day that was astronomy by and large how do we do it now um so since about i guess about 1967 we've moved, um, I guess you can't, might say, away from a more human view of time, which is um, the stars uh, overhead and the moon and the sun and things, to what you might call um, time based on a universal physical constant, um, as are many other parts of measurement. Um, and so basically we measure it from the vibrations of an atom. Um, and we kind of bank on the fact that all the atoms of a particular type, in this case cesium, um, are the same right throughout the universe. Um, if that doesn't hold, then a whole bunch of physics falls over quite quickly. So we base our time now on an atomic feature uh, and then what we've done, because we've been keeping time for so long, is we've kind of back calculated or scaled it up, depending on how you look at it, to come up with a second that's now based on an atomic transition. Right. And so from that, we get our time, basically. You count seconds and then you have time. It, so are we, are we getting into Greenwich Mean Time here? Absolutely, we are. Because um, one of the things that fascinates me about all of this is I'm, I'm specifically, the type of scientist I am is called a metrologist. And if you uh, unpack that, that's somebody who studies meters, <laughs> in essence, uh -huh. uh, or the measurement of things. And right the way through history, there's been this idea that if you come up with a better way of doing something, it's got to match what went before, by and large, so that, you know, you, you're not suddenly calling something a kilogram where previously it was only half a kilogram. So... For a long, long time, uh, time was based on measurements of the sun or the moon or the stars. But as uh, technology developed really in the early part of the 1900s, um, it became clear that we could do it slightly better than that. Um, but of course, we don't want our second to change particularly. So uh, at some point they had to decide, OK, this is the length of our second or our best estimate of it. Uh, and now we're going to say that this amount of cesium um, vibration is going to be called a second. And there's sort of this switchover point, if you like, where we go from sort of keeping an eye on the stars to keeping an eye on the atomic clocks. Why didn't people, I mean, did people argue about it? Horrendously. <laughs> They're still arguing about it. I mean, in, in the area that I work, the current debate really is... Uh, is it time to redefine the second yet again? <laughs> uh, that'll be sort of the third major redefinition I can imagine. Um, but essentially, yes, because at these times of sort of change, there's like established ways of doing things, but different people do things different ways. Uh, they might have very slightly different um, clocks or whatever it might be. And so there's this kind of discussion that goes on, and it was the same um, when people were deciding, you know, where to put the prime meridian. So, you know, nowadays we still have these discussions. How are we going to set the time? It's quite fascinating, I find, because there really is this interplay of the things that humans have developed and created versus this sort of desire for sort of like a universal time for everyone that's the same. Exactly. And and I guess in getting into your sort of broader work, that, that would be the same with any measurement of every of, of anything, right? Like like you, 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 you said that 
the area of science that you're in is um, metrology. And there is actually a meter, isn't there? Like the meter. It's in Paris or something, isn't it? That's like the original ah, yeah. meter. Well, yeah, well, yes, yes. There's the original meter. There's the original kilogram of things. Yeah. But as we've gone on through our technological development, I guess, um, we've tried to find ways that um, move away from what we call artifacts, actual things. Um, so nowadays, for example, the meter is defined in terms of the speed of light, which we believe by and large is a constant. Um, and in terms of the second, it's the same. We kind of believe that all cesium atoms are the same. Um, and so the, the general push in, in measurement science is, if we can, to pin things to what we hope are universal, universal constants. But that raises a really interesting point, and it's kind of the easiest to see for time because, of course, although you hope that cesium atoms might be the same everywhere around the universe, mm. it's very, very, very hard to build a clock, which is obviously composed of all sorts of atoms, uh, that's exactly the same as any other clock in uh. the world. So what you actually end up happening is your cesium atoms and their vibration might be all the same. We certainly hope they are. But the physical clocks that you build are, in a sense, like uh, you know, grandfather clocks, they run fast or they run slow yeah. or whatever. And so in practice, uh, what we can do is uh, if you think about having a whole bunch of clocks, you know, around the, the walls of your studio, for example, if if you had to come up with a best time, you'd probably look around the clocks and do a sort of a, you know, an eyeball average. And, and that's that's what happens these days. There are a whole bunch of very, very, very accurate clocks in laboratories all around the world, but the best estimate we can get out of them, by and large, is to average them all. Yeah. And of course, the problem with an average is that you can't get the average until you've got the numbers to do the average with. So the best time, which we call um, coordinated universal time, or UTC, which is, if you like, the successor to GMT, uh, is a paper clock. It only exists in the past. Isn't, isn't that cool? <laughs> I got a text earlier, Adam, from somebody who says, um, before Greenwich Mean Time came to New Zealand, our regional town clocks would sometimes show different times. Is that true? Absolutely, and and so 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 the like I said, the history of timekeeping is is generally by watching particular stars going overhead. Yeah. There, they've been the most accurate things we've found um, once we kind of move beyond the sun and the moon, and. It's absolutely true that depending on where you are on the Earth, the stars go overhead at different times. So between, say, Auckland and Invercargill, there's perhaps 16 minutes of, of time. Um, and another example of, of this kind of human interaction is that uh, in 1868, we were... I think, to the best of my knowledge, the very first country in the world to set a uniform time in the country. And uh, Dr. James Hector of, of Hector's Dolphin fame uh -huh. was the government scientist of the day, and, and he was charged with, so what should it be? And of course, you had all these towns going, well, we're the most important provincial centre. It has to be our time. <laughs> Can't be Wellington, whatever. You know, it, it really was. that. There's, there's a, a, a guy... Uh, did his thesis on this, that the whole history of this, it's its quite fascinating. But in essence, they, they went through the same process that the world had to go through to come up with a universal time. And James Hector, I think, very, very cleverly worked out that 
on average, if you draw a line of longitude through the middle-ish of New Zealand, you get to about 11 and a half hours. And so he said in 1868, well, I think our time zone, it wasn't quite a zone by then, but the time of New Zealand, New Zealand mean time, should be 11 and a half hours from GMT, because at that time, GMT was the sort of the, the reference point yeah. for everything. Mm. Wow. So absolutely, the time varies with place. Uh, it still does. That's beautiful. That's gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Someone texts in to us, um, for your time expert, I understand that we rely on GNSs, which I understand means Global Navigation Satellite Systems, um, for, many, yes. for many functions requiring precision timing. Indeed, I believe that the clock here in the studio at, at RNZ is, is um, clued into a, a satellite time. But this text goes on to say, GNSs has some vulnerabilities. Are there backups... That's a really, really pertinent question. Um, the slightly long answer is that there are there are a range of satellite systems that your studio could lock to, and by and large, those satellite systems uh, are run by large countries such as uh, the US, Russia, uh, China, uh, the EU. Uh, India has a small regional one, Japan. So you can see geopolitics is coming out here. So the answer to the question is GNS is used in a lot of ways for the reasons that human use everything. It's easy to get access to and it's actually pretty good for most things. But as 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 your uh, caller noted, it has some real vulnerabilities. And the main one is that these are satellites up in space. Yeah. And the way we get time from them is they broadcast down fairly weak radio waves uh, and we receive those and we extract time from it. But of course, there are all sorts of things that can go wrong with satellite systems and radio waves. Yeah. Um, and so right now around the world, many, many nations are scratching their heads and wondering what to do as the, the you know the geopolitical climate uh, changes a little, um, and in fact, uh, at, at the Measurement Standards Laboratory, one of our jobs is to sort of think about these things for our country, and and there are other labs in other countries doing exactly the same thing, and so that's actually an active area of interest both for us and for the wider world. And the the short answer is. Um, the only backup that you can have really to a satellite-based system is one located on the ground in your own country. And generally speaking, that involves high-precision clocks and some way of communicating that time around the country and things. And that's that's what countries are scratching their heads because it's 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 relatively easy, if you like, to make a high-performance clock. It's quite another thing to get that time securely and robustly all around an entire country, even for a country the size of New Zealand. I, I have a, 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 a layered question here um, um, about the sort of the, 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 the artistry of mathematical divides in time. You know, 60 seconds in a minute, uh, 60 minutes in an yes. hour, 24 hours yep. in a day. It all seems to work out so beautifully. Someone, Peter, just texted in to say, you know, this 12-hour measurement mirrors the circle of fifths musical structure. One o'clock is one sharp, two o'clock is two sharps. Um, there, there are 12 notes on the Western musical scale in 12 hours. Um, look, maybe this is getting a little bit conspiratorial, but why does it all work? Um, I think the reason it works is because humans have been measuring things for a very long time, and... By and large, although we like to think so, we're not that much cleverer than the humans that were a couple of thousand years ago. Yeah. We just have better kit. Yeah. Um, and in fact, things like the 24 hours in the day and the 60 minutes and that, 
come from really ancient cultures, the Egyptians and the Sumerians and the Babylonians. And they were, for their day and even now, uh, mathematicians um, par excellence. Mm -hmm. And one of the things they realized really quickly is that numbers like 12 and 60 are, um, in mathematical terms, they're called highly composite numbers. Mm -hmm. And what that basically means is they're easy to work with. They have lots of nice factors that are easy to play with, you know, three and four and 15 and eight and all those things. And if you're an astronomer, as most timekeepers were back then, and some still are, um, if you don't have calculators, then choosing base systems or number systems like the duodecimal or the sexagesimal system that are easy to calculate is a real bonus. So it's actually something that we've inherited from people who thought probably quite long and hard about what the best divisions of things would be for the technology they had. And we've kept using them because it works. Adam, I wish we had more time. I, of, I often do. I often do. I, I, can, make, I can make it. I, I, I'm often asked, can I make more time? And the short answer is yes, uh, but it's, it's a bit longer because one of the things that um, many people don't know about time is I mentioned that um, we don't use GMT now. We have UTC, yeah. um, but of course, it's a paper clock. So what you actually have in real time is the individual countries have their own time. And so we, we have our own time in New Zealand called UTC MSL, which is MSL's version of UTC. So I can speed and slow it up. If I want. <laughs> there are so many questions that I want to know the answer to. Like, is time travel possible and, and so on and so forth? But uh, Maybe that would require a different expert feature. Let me just ask you very finally, you know, are we, you know, cause I guess I'm amazed by many things in this. Um, but particularly the recency with which we all kind of agreed on time, but I guess it wasn't really necessary up until, um, you know, travel and, and things were, were linked up in different countries. And so my question is, you know, are we still making discoveries about time? Do you, do you come across things that, that surprise you? Absolutely. We, there, there, there is no doubt that there is still ongoing work, essentially making time more and more accurate. And, and you could argue that from a human point of view, we don't perhaps need it to be any more accurate. And I often get asked that question, but there's also this quest for like universal precision. Um, but yes, one of the things that I am constantly intrigued by in time, and it's it's partly new developments, but it's also partly this ongoing interplay that, that doesn't seem to have stopped between um, what you might call scientific time and, and human time and how those mesh together to come up with the time that we all use or the systems we all use. I find that endlessly fascinating. Adam Dumpford. What a joy it's been. Thank you so much for coming on. What an interesting My pleasure, uh, it was and, and what an interesting fellow you are. We'll definitely find some excuse to get Adam back at some stage or another. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.